Today on Inside the Ropes, all the latest from the PGA Tour's new schedule and how it directly impacts one of Australia's brightest young prospects, Brett Coletta. We'll also travel to Perth to see how one man is getting his golf fix even in these crazy COVID times. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 159. We continue to bunker down and um, and gather ourselves through these extremely difficult times and um, hopefully for the next hour or a bit you might get some solace from that as we all talk about the game that we love uh, a lot of us at the moment can't actually play, which is uh, of an increasing frustration to many, uh, but I think most hazy have got an understanding and acceptance as to why. How are you going, mate? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, Andy. Appreciate you asking, and uh, good day, Stace. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, there's, there's various levels of angst around the country from what I can make out. Um, obviously, in Victoria and Northern Territory at the moment, it's uh, hard to get your tea in the ground and, and have a whack, but uh, everywhere else seems to be going along smoothly. And from all reports, uh, everyone's doing it really responsibly and, and uh, you know, keeping their distance and doing all the things that we've been talking about. So very grateful for that. Um, yeah, spare a thought for us in, in trapped, trapped in golfless Victoria, but um, I do think it's for the, the greater good. And, you know, um, you know, I'm, we're obviously doing it for a reason. So uh, yeah, it's times are tough, but we are all in it together. And um, yeah, well, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's, it's a weird no. time. You mentioned Stace. That's of course, Stacey Peters, who's part of the inside the ropes family. How are you? Stacey. Hey, Murray. Hey, Hazy. How we doing? You're bearing up okay? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, getting used to uh, being at home, I guess. Um, but, yeah, no, no, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's kind of obviously not playing golf is very tough in uh, Victoria. Um, but it's also, you know, it's tough for, I guess, the girls and the guys that, you know, are just itching to get out there playing, like the, the girls that, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, chatting with and stuff. They just, I guess, they're not that motivated right now. That's probably the biggest thing I'd say within uh, or that I'm hearing, you know, because they don't know they don't know when they're going to be playing next. Um, and I totally, I totally get that. Like they're practicing, you know, and just going through more going through the motions, I'd say, um, because they don't they don't really know when they're going to be competing next. Uh, Stacey, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of younger people who you know, are on their way up into the game, um, are they, by and large, are they understanding of the restrictions that are being placed upon them? I think getting more and more so. I don't think early on at all. Um, and especially in, like, in the States where you still can play golf, I feel like a lot of the kids are just going as, you know, normal day-to-day uh, business without the, but without the competition at the end of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think it's hitting a bit more at home, especially in Vic, the ones that can't practice, then that's really hard for them to get their head around. Yeah, I think practice without a purpose is what you're talking is is brutal. Yeah. Uh, and, and regardless whether it's golf or, you know, we've, we've spoken previously about the Olympic athletes uh, all having their dreams at least per, postponed, if not curtailed. Um, you know, they're, they're itching to get out there and do what they've been trying and practicing for half a lifetime in a lot of cases to do, but they, they don't know when it's coming. So one of those, Andy, um, and we're going to have the very good fortune to talk to him in the second segment here is, is Brett Coletta, mm. um, who's not only um, 
without competition. He's, he's another Victorian here who's doing it tough without being able to get on the course. And, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it here in a second. Is the scheduling was announced overnight. We're recording this on Friday. Uh, the whole PGA Tour and and it's and it's um, the underlying tours um, had their schedules laid out. Uh, but Brett, Brett Brett's got a lot of things to consider before he can he can swing a stick in anger again. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to talk to him. So that's a real issue, isn't it? For, I mean, you two deal every day with with you know GA players and you know and young players in the game and Australian golfers, you know, at home and when they're abroad. Abroad is the is the general sense amongst the the younger players, the ones that are on the way up and haven't got. Um, bank accounts full of dough. Um, are they getting? Are they anxious? Are they getting tense? Is there an uncertainty about what's going to be next for them when they come back, Stubbs? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of the girls now are start oh, girls and guys. Sorry, yeah. I talk more on the girls, but um, you know, they're even starting to think like, you know, what about status? What about? Um, you know, how does that, how's that going to look come the end of the year? Like, is that going to roll over? Is there going to be Q schools? Um, that sort of thing is starting to play on people's minds. Um, I was chatting with uh, Steph Kuriaku the other day and she's got, like, winner's status. But she's like, if we don't play this year, is she still, is she going to get two years beyond this? Or is this counting as one? And they're all, they're all legit questions that I feel everybody is starting to think more and more about now. You know, to start with, it's like not in the front of your mind, but it's like, oh, well, these are legit possibilities and things that the tours are going to have to weigh up. Have you got an answer to any of that, Hazy? Like, have you got a – in between, uh, it's like, you know, around scheduling and the the big ticket stuff that tours like the European Tour, both men's and women's, and the PGA Tour, both men's and women's, the the top-end stuff that is obviously occupying a lot of their mind, are they – where are they at with their with their consideration for the sorts of issues that that Stace is talking about with players like Steph Kiriakou? Yeah, I, I don't know specifics, but yeah. I think more broadly, Andy, I think they're not really giving the players much uh, concrete to go to go off here. That they're giving the broader, I guess, the first frontline media questions are being answered, as in when's the schedule. What tournaments are being postponed? What are cancelled? Uh, but the nuts and bolts of what the PGA Tour, in particular, have done overnight. Um, you know, when they had their conference call, there were questions asked about uh, the Corn Ferry, and there were questions asked about um, what if you finish one twenty sixth. Where there are questions asked about uh, transport, and all these things haven't been considered. You know, the bubble. I'm sure. Well, I shouldn't say that. They've definitely been considered, but there's nothing concrete to go on. Mm. Uh, I, I'd say that's very confronting for the uh, the ones who haven't got their pockets bulging with uh, greenbacks. Yeah. Basically, um, the, the the answers seem to come towards the top end of town, which is, you know, it's understandable because that's the, the the shop window of the sport, but it leaves a lot of questions to be um, to be asked by the the players and and all those um, involved at the lower levels. And I think it is a hard one for them to give definite answers right now oh, because yeah. it's still, you know, this thing, it's still so unknown and they probably, until we get back playing again and have some sort of schedule that's that's happening, like, yeah, there's a lot of announcements with what's happening with the schedule, but in actual fact, it hasn't started yet. <laughs> so it hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, so I guess that tours can't really 
you know, be making those sort of decisions on that sort of things at, that need to be made after a season just yet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair comment. Um, and we all are very familiar in the, in consuming Australian media around sport at the moment that the NRL in particular, but also the AFL and, and A-League and all the sports that rely on um, media money to keep the, the wolves from the door, they need to be showing uh, something visible, visibly to their media partners. So Channel 9 for the, in the NRL's case obviously had a, a very high-profile sort of stash a week or so ago now. Um, and it's all about getting on the front foot and putting a date up there so that we can be seen to be doing something as a code, whatever that is. Uh, I'm not sure that the schedule that the PGA Tour proffered um, overnight is vaguely going to be resembling what actually happens. But, yeah. it, you know, it's, so it's hard to, it is hard to draw conclusions because I'm sure that, as Stace said, there's a lot of guesswork going on here. Um, I, I do really, I mean, if we want to talk briefly about the ramifications, Andy, down the track before we um, look at the specifics, as this tour gets locked in on the on the PGA schedule, um, the it's even they've even put out stuff for the the fall series for you know the 2020-2021 schedule um they've locked in that that calendar a lot earlier than they otherwise might have because of all the other things going on around the place uh it pushes right into the australian summer here um massive ramifications for what the australian tour looks like um if we're thinking at all that um, foreign participation is going to be warranted and possible. Um, you know, if I, I'm just flicking around here on the computer, but um, the 20, uh, the schedule for next next year um, pushes out to the Masters is on November the 15th is the Sunday. Then it goes back to the the uh, Sea Island Classic on the 22nd. There's a week off for Thanksgiving. Then they're in Mayakoba early, early December on the 6th. Um, the Hero World Challenge is on at the same time. And then that uh, the old thing that used to be the Shark Shootout is December 13. These are things that um, impact what the the potential um, touring golfers of the world will do. That's American golf being played until 12 days before Christmas. Mm. doesn't leave a lot of time for an Australian schedule. Um, <laughs> you know, we're thinking... Um, depending when the Queensland Open is going to be, but we're thinking New South Wales Open, we're thinking um, Australian Open men's, Australian PGA men's. Um, then the, the LPGA Tour crunches up. It doesn't give much time off before we come back towards where the Women's Australian Open and the Vic Opens are. Um, really, you don't, I don't think you've got to be a rocket scientist here to sort of figure out that the Australian Open is in peril here in terms of a November date. I don't think that's a, a big stretch at all. Mm. Um, no. we, we might be able to find a date in December. Is it practical? Is it financial? All the things that matter. We might end up, um, a lot of people have been saying, get to February, get to February, get to February. We've been, we might end up there by default, yeah, because um, yeah. there's a huge crunch coming on at the end of the year. The ramifications of all these things are, are enormous. And, and as ever, sorry, I'm a bit ranting a bit here, but as ever, one of the, um, I'm sure there are reasons above this, and I'm just, you know, skimming it and it's not really justified, but the Canadian Open was, died overnight. I think it's far easier. I think, and I think the Canadian government and Golf Canada had a fair say in that, yeah. in the in cancelling the men's tournament, just for safety reasons, because they're on that far more than the United States is. That stands to reason. Um, but it's very hard. That's that 
we always praise the Australian Open for being an historic tournament. It started in 1904. That's the same year the Canadian Open started. It got the uh, the Tijuana today, the um, unceremoniously gone. Uh, it, it's hard to think that the US tour, which I often criticise for being American-centric, uh, is really thinking through the ramifications for the other tours, and the Australian tour, again, is probably going to have to pay the price here again in this year. There's a there's a lot of you both have, you both touched on this. I mean, there's an enormous amount of wishful thinking attached to all of this. I mean, their the proposal is to start back um, with a four tournament run from June 11. That, that that's the proposed start date for the PGA Tour, and, and all the and look, it's everything else is is layers beneath it. Let's be honest about that in terms of the the pyramid of world golf. But there's a if you watch if you watch and I, we watch a bit too much. Uh, of it in our house. But if you watch a lot of the coverage of, um, you know, the US government's handling of uh, COVID-19, there's been a gross recklessness about the way that they have managed um, the virus, you know, from the early stages of its onset and its and its spread. There's... I wouldn't say it's reckless what the PGA Tour has done here. It's hopeful and it's wishful... I don't reckon there's any chance they start on 11 June. And if they do start on the 11th of June, I reckon that would be reckless. Now, they're already talking about there being no fans. So, so they're making all of the provisions that need to be made. Um, or that you would think for safe tournament play. But it, I, I, can't, I, can't see, I can't see America... Uh, I can't see the PGA Tour. I can't see, see America being ready for tournament golf by the second week of June. It just doesn't – just doesn't – what we know of it or what we've been told about this thing, it just doesn't seem possible to me. I don't know whether you think it's – No, I mean, I, I, I don't think so at all. Like, in thinking about travel restrictions on other people around the world, yep. like, is it just going to be Americans that are able to play it? Like, that would be just worst-case – scenario wouldn't it like if you know if nobody else can get into the country or things like that by the by their own admission today and this is only on the big tour not taking into consideration um corn ferry and yep. you know the canadian tour etc down the line um on the big tour they estimate 25 players currently outside the united states and 35 caddies um so yeah, right. how do you that's 25 players by default, by definition, is, you know, roughly 20, probably just under 20% of your field. Um, yeah. And, and they're going to they're be hamstrung without their caddies, et cetera. And, but but you know. Hazy and Stacey, there, there are going to be players. There are going to be frontline, um, or, 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 or I was going to say frontline Europeans, frontline non-Americans who don't live in America, who for, for a whole lot of very um, understandable reasons, are going to be, I would imagine, incredibly reluctant to, if they can get into the States uh, from wherever they are domiciled now, incredibly reluctant to, to head into America, into a, a country that who knows what America is going to look like in two months' time. I mean, th- there's a lot of places around the States that have not got a handle on this thing at all. It, it's, it's running out of control in a lot of parts of America. Uh, there's going to be family members of players who don't live in the States who might qualify uh, to be one of these invited, you know, kind of global players to domicile or quarantine, hub themselves in America, whatever it might be, um, who, who just 
would choose not to be part of that anyway. Uh, Andy, I think this is almost a perfect time to probably take a break and, and introduce um, after the break a regular to the podcast, yeah. Brett Coletta, because he is a man very much confronting those exact scenarios. It's probably best if we get it from the horse's mouth rather than Stacey and myself. Well, let's do it. <laughs> Good uh, idea. He's a young man who's, as Stace was pointing out before, there's a lot of young players who are in this state of great uncertainty at the moment. Brett Coletta is one of those. He'll join us on Inside the Ropes when we come back. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Lovely to have you with us, Stacey Peters, Mark Hayes, Andy Marr, uh, and one of our uh, great young mates, a very, very good friend of the podcast, a young man who we've got uh, great interest in and affection for and a bit of frustration uh, with, I imagine, at the moment, um, Brett Coletta. Always been really good with his time and joins us again here on Inside the Ropes. Thanks for being part of it again, mate. No problem, guys. Where do we find you at the moment? Uh, I'm in my backyard as of right now under the strict isolation rules, just doing my part. And from your backyard under these strict isolation rules, when you look out beyond your back fence, what are you, what are you looking at? As the bird flies, it's probably 100 metres to the second hole on the uh, Champs golf course at Sandhurst. So it's kind of it's a bit eerie because, you know, every day there's something going on here where you see carts and players playing and it hasn't happened for the last probably month. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know what's going on with it. But, you know, we're just respecting the rules at the moment. That must be just gutting you, mate, to, to sit out there knowing that, you know, you're going to have a, a big year if and when it all comes together to see such beauty in front of you and, and tease you almost daily. Yeah. Sort of frustrating, but you know there is you got to take it as it is, and you know I'm taking it more as a time off to you know work on some fitness, some other stuff. I'm just keeping mind clear, basically. So Brett, we saw overnight and before the break, Andy was referring to uh, you know the, the the questions that are being thrown up by the scheduling of the PGA Tour, and and in your sense here the Corn Ferry Tour, um, which is going to be on sooner than um, perhaps we all thought and, and it may or may not eventuate. But right now, the, a June start date for the Corn Ferry Tour, your, where you hold your playing rights this year, uh, creates obviously excitement, but it also creates a lot of issues, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty... Um, well, this is very like recent news. This has just come out in, the, um, in my email personally in the last probably 12 hours. So um, nothing set. The talk is starting an event in the, in Florida, the PJ Tour headquarters, um, on the week of June eighth. Um, yeah, and that's that's going to just kind of kickstart and push the season back onto the rails, basically. But I mean, like you said, there's plenty of um, you know problems in the way. I guess you know I, I don't know how that will be over there in know four or five weeks time or you know how we're going and obviously our strict rules and you know i have to get back over there and the whole bunch of stuff in the way but you know we'll just have to wait to see what you know the concrete decision is so so what do you do about that what, are you already starting to ask questions uh you through your management yeah. what, what are you doing to try and um find out before that day arrives well i, I i'm trying to work backwards so I'm trying to think, okay, what day is it starting? What mm-hmm. day do I want to be in America? What day do I want to be prepared to travel to the tournament? 
and then I'll work back again. How much time do I need to be prepared? Um, you know, working in that kind of respect. So, uh, you know, I can't give an answer really because I don't know what the end date is. You know, they're not going to give an end date. They're just giving us a, you know, uh, a, you know, I don't know what day it is, but the 8th of June seems to be it. Let's take things down to the sort of real practical level here, mate. It's not like you can go down to the travel agent uh, at the moment and jump on the big red flying kangaroo and just, you know, book a path that puts you in, in Jacksonville, is it? I mean, you've got a lot of logistics in front of you. Yeah, I, I haven't really looked into it because I haven't needed to, but um, uh, what I'm aware of, there might be a couple of fights a week maybe heading back over there. I have a visa over there, so I don't think it'd be a problem getting in. Um, it'd be more the, you know, the, the route it takes or, you know, that two-week mandatory isolation when you're there, all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, it just seems to be not problem on problem. It's just kind of like question on top of question. When there's an answer, there's a question. Yeah, I guess that's probably, that's got to weigh on your mind a lot, yeah, Brady, with uh, obviously we'll probably touch on it in a moment, but you not being able to practice right now, being in Victoria, then possibly going to the States, probably isolating for two weeks maybe again. Um, you know, that's really got to be weighing on your mind, yeah, with uh, with regards to preparing for an event. Yeah, it's it's more just uncertain. You're not sure what's yeah. what happening. <laughs> Now, if and when it happens, you know, if I do have to do that mandatory two weeks, so be it. It's just, it's just what yeah. the government says. So, um, yeah, there's no set date. There's no set time. There's no nothing at the moment. So I'm just kind of trying to remain relaxed. Okay, mate. So yep. let's let's just assume that things pan out the way the PGA Tour laid them out here today, uh, which for you means Florida on the, as you say, the week starting June 8th, so ending, ending June 14. Uh, the following week, you, you have, you're you expected to go from Florida to Kansas, then across to Utah. Uh, then I suppose the nearest trip that you're going to have in this time is then then to Colorado. Um, but basically, you're going to flip-flop if it goes to schedule right now. You're going to, you're going to be flying uh, all around the, the United States. Um, there's no, no safe way to do that other than go through airports and into hotels and uh, higher cars and all the things where, you know, your health is at risk here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the tour is aware of this. You know, they're, they're saying they're starting an event that had been cancelled or postponed the week of June 8th, but they're moving it to Florida so they can kind of have a better governing body, I'd say, over the top of the tour. So you can kind of, you know, put in better strict rules of whatnot because, you know, they'd be knowing what's going on in Florida you know, within that area, you know, the, the gates might be closing shut, whatever. Um, so they've got that down pat. But like you said, the next week, you know, a three-hour plane ride west, then again west, then back. It's, it's, it's back to back to back. And obviously we've been strained of tournaments. So, you know, they're going to be pushing to push them back to get a full scheduling. So the week of the break might only be the, the 4th of July weekend. And then there's talk of maybe, you know, tournaments between the September and December period. So, yeah, you're, I can't give an answer. It's just we have to wait and see, basically. But, you know, definitely on the ambitious side, I feel like, starting earlier. Are you fearful, like physically fearful for, you know, what lies ahead with given what's going around the United States and the world, for that matter, at the moment? At the moment, yes. You know, if they said, okay, we're starting 
sooner than later, you know, maybe even earlier than what they said, then, yeah, I'd be a bit concerned about my health. Obviously, you know, being a younger, younger person and whatnot, there's been talk of, you know, you can deal with the virus and stuff, but you can never guarantee it. So, And the thing is as well, like the tour is, the tour is what, 150 players every week plus, you know, staff and, you know, people walking around, you know, caddies. There's probably three, four, five hundred people at events. And, you know, it's, we all dine together usually. It's, it's a pretty close, you know, compact place we all hang out at the golf course it's kind of like a median spot we hang out for the week and you know if, if something gets around you know this virus does somehow get around it's going to go like wildfire but you know it's, there's all these questions that tour is probably asking in their own heads out there over in america so you know look, i'm just trying to stay positive about it but you know the facts suggest otherwise i think that's very confronting andy isn't it like they're, they're, that's the questions you're asking beforehand you know, Brett says he wants to stay positive, and you can understand why. And he's asking of himself all the right questions. I reckon you, you, there'd be a lot of young blokes who are a bit more maverick than you who are thinking, "Ah, stuff it! I just want to go." And you know, to hell with the consequences. I mean, one of the things, and I don't want to I want to try to terrify you here. We want you to get back and play golf, but I mean, you're you are unlikely to to get sick. You know, you might contract it, but but you're unlikely to get sick but but i mean you don't want to bring it home i don't know i don't know what your family's like i don't know whether you've got grand you know you don't want to be bringing that home and exposing family members to that sort of stuff particularly as america in six or seven months time comes out of its kind of summer uh autumn i mean once it gets into winter over there or approaching winter who knows what's going to happen with this thing you know like it might yeah and roll it roll out again yeah, that's the problem we have right now coming into winter, I guess. Mm. So how do you have any idea at the moment, because of the limitations you've got on picking up a club and, and playing, do you have any idea how how you're going, what, what your form's like? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there is opportunity. You can go to, you know, like indoor areas within, you know, people that own them or whatnot, and I've got a track man, so... You know, getting a net one, but it's just not the same. You know what I mean? No. You know, I'm not playing it. This is a pretty elite level of golf. There's only so much you can do indoors or within a net without seeing ball. Because I'm a very visual player. I like to feel stuff and see stuff, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people are too. So I just don't get that buzz or uh, sense of satisfaction with a net, basically. So, what are your contemporaries, Brett? Are they? still able to get on courses? Are they still able to play, um, you know, whether they be here or overseas? And, and if that's the case, do you feel like, well, Jesus, you know, like I'm, I'm stuck here and I, I know where I was, but I don't know where I'm, I'm going to get to in the short term. Do you feel like is there that kind of anxiety as well? Not as much as the travelling and getting sick part. Yeah. I've got a pretty good idea of what my game is and, you know, what happens when I don't play for a little bit and, you know, the tendencies I get into. In fact, it's probably the, the least concern I'm worried about, to be honest. Um, I'm more obviously concerned about the health of myself travelling within a country that's under the heavy pandemic at the moment. You know, they're way worse off than us. You know, you turn on the TV and it turns out you know, people are dying left, right and centre in New York and the whole East Coast and whatnot. So, um 
the golfing part is more. I if I can I know what to do to get back to tournament ready. Yeah. Where I don't know how to get tournament ready immune system wise or whatnot. So it's, yeah. It's a tough very one. Very good points. A very yeah. tough one. So what have you been doing outside of you know? <laughs> what have you been doing? Um. Not too much, really. I've been pretty good with the rules. I've been staying at home and, you know, um, doing a bit of running, getting trying to get fit, stay fit within this Easter period, which is pretty tough. But, um, yeah, not too much, really. It's pretty hard to do anything. Did you were – you, were you, was your remote control for the last sort of 10 days stuck on the Masters channel? I only watched select ones. Right. Which ones don't you watch? Uh, I was caught out watching the last little bit where Greg Norman got chipped in on. No, turn <laughs> that's, it off. That's, turn it off. That's garbage, yeah. <laughs> um. So wrong, wasn't it? Just so wrong. How many of us, though, let's be honest, how many of us saw 96 come up and you, we've sworn to ourselves, I'm never going to watch it again? How many of us <laughs> thought? Oh, right. It, so, I just had a little look. Just a little look. <laughs> had a little look. Just, they, they obviously pan when he's chipped in. He's celebrating. You just see Greg on the edge of the green with his putter. And it's just oh. the sheer disappointment on his face. No. <laughs> Awful. Break glass, that look. I can fire it out. It would. I, I can't bring myself to watch that stuff. I watch very select ones. I watch them repeatedly. I actually really get into the 2011 one. I, I still can't believe that Charles Schwartzel stitched up, yeah, stitched up the Aussie voice. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tough to watch the shark, and there's so many of them too. It's half their catalogue. <laughs> it's true. So how is your family, mate? Everybody well? Just before we, let, like, before we get a wriggle on here, are everyone, all the Colettas in the world are in good nick and healthy? Yeah, we're all pretty good. Um, everyone seems to be working except me, so um, we're we're trickling along. Um, Dad's still working, Mum's still studying. My sister's essential because she works in childcare, and my little brother's a plumber, so um, you know he's doing domestic stuff. So he's he's pretty flat out, to be honest. So I'm the only one just putting wear and tear on the house, basically. <laughs> so, so here we are. We're, we're recording this on the seventeenth of April. What's what's the next thing in front of you between now and you turning it up again? What, what's kind of the next? What's the next thing in front of you, or, or or is there nothing concrete in front of you right now? Well, short term, I'm just working on fitness. Yeah. Literally going down the oval, bricking a footy up, kicking it around, running around the oval. Um, next one would be probably May 11, where the government has to make a decision based on this social distancing stuff to see if they're going to let up or keep going. That's going to be a big part of this for me, I feel like, because, you know, just say if it gets May 11 and, you know, I just don't see how they wouldn't lift these restrictions by then, but just say if they don't, um, you know, push it back another two weeks or four weeks, whatever, then we're going deep territory into, you know, preparation time for me anyway. Um, I reckon I could get away with it until May 11. That's probably a month before, and that's probably given about the time I'd need to work. But, you know, the more time would be better because I'm at home and my coach is here. So, um, yeah, but short-term, really not too much. Would you, so, consider, would you consider, you know, if things were 
possible, would you consider going into state to, to train or? I don't think um, you're allowed. Are you allowed? Not right now, you're not, no. If I was going to go into state, I might as well just go overseas. So, Hazy, I don't know whether there's anything you can tell us. Like, I don't know what the lay of the land is, but there's, you know, there's, there's, there's already starting to be, um, you know, state governments, particularly New South Wales, um, WA, Scott Morrison federally, they're starting to talk about this is what it might look like when we start to, and, you know, the numbers are low. We've, I think when we had one, you know, new coronavirus uh, positive in Victoria, uh, in the last 24 hours, which is, is you know, the, the lowest it's been since the start of this thing. So so clearly the thing's flattened and it's been heading south for a while. In terms of watching this this space and um, developing policy around it from a Gulf Australia perspective, what can you tell us? Yeah, I think, um, as you said, Andy, we're recording this around lunchtime on Friday uh, afternoon, the 17th, and until this point in time, Gulf Australia's position has been to recommend that clubs uh, close um, uh, and if golf is to be played under pretty strict recommendations about and protocols around how to how to handle yourself um, I would suggest that later today um, that policy will be um, adjusted uh, Golf Australia is going to recommend that clubs adhere very very strictly to those guidelines um, around flags, breaks, all yeah. that sort of stuff, scoring, um, uh, that clubs can reopen, provided they do it safely. Um, however, uh, and this applies very much directly to Brett, uh, Victoria and Nor- uh, Northern Territory are the two state-slash-territories where uh, the government has things locked down at the moment, and that won't change. Uh, our policy won't change. We, we can... Um, Stand by, and we continue. We've been advocating and, and talking with governments around Australia for, for weeks, anyhow. Um, but yeah, the pol- the policy of Golf Australia will change later this afternoon uh, to clubs opening, um, and our advocacy to the Victorian government will will change along those lines. Um, whether that has any impact, that's obviously not for me to say. But um, yeah, there's a, a noticeable swing in our position. Yeah, I, I reckon if, if you're a golfer. Well, maybe by the time people have listened to this, uh, they've already been aware of the news. And uh, but I would think that that would carry um, some significance from a state government perspective. Oh, I, now I know I know they're, they're governed by health officials more than they are, you know, the, the you know the preeminent golf body in Australia. But um, I would think that would be uh, would be a, a, a partial green light for maybe a state government to have a rethink on. I'm, I'm sure what you said before about the, the visible flattening of the um, the rise in cases is probably more of an impact than what Golf Australia does. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think that Golf Australia resiles at all from the position we held because back when that position was taken, as Brett's in, in, intimated there, it's a very dangerous position. You don't want to put yourself or your health of others and your family in jeopardy just for the sake of a round of golf. But uh, we are seeing evidence around stack up around the country that things are doing relatively nicely around golf courses because people seem to be doing the right thing. And if that continues, then maybe that does sway opinions. But I do think it's more a matter of uh, us advocating rather than the rule we lay down being the the, the tipping point for, for Daniel Andrews, et cetera. Let's see where it goes. Hey, Brett. Uh... Yeah. 
Look after yourself, mate, and we'll, uh, we're all in your corner. We wish you all the very best, and uh, hopefully, you know, with everything, you know, lined up the way it needs to be, hopefully you'll be out there sooner rather than later. Thanks for joining us again, mate. No problem, guys. Um, enjoy. Yep, you too. Greg Petter. We'll Good man. He's uh, one of our Thanks, Brady. On Inside the Ropes. We'll, uh, we'll be back with a bloke over in WA who's taken matters into his own hands, Hazy and Stace, when it comes to getting a game of golf in. More of that on Inside the Ropes after this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Uh, in these, uh, well, it depends where you live in Australia, basically, these difficult times for golfers all over the place. Um, a lot of us are being uh, asked to resort to all sorts of, um, all sorts of options to, to have our guys sated. I know I've got my little back, two-hole backyard thing going. It's been, been copying and absolutely hiding in our place. But Hazy, you've discovered a bloke by the name of Brendan Kilmartin over in WA who has gone to extraordinary lengths uh, to, had, who keeps his game sharp. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what prompted Brendan to sort of uh, reach out, but he did a few weeks ago and said that he was missing golf dearly and I just started chatting with him and uh, we've ended up with him. Very, We're very thankful that we've got him on the podcast. Brendan, welcome along. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for inviting me along. Good to be oh. with you guys. Well, mate, so, I know everyone's yeah, everyone's missing golf a lot, uh, and I, I you remember Melville Glades, the beautiful Melville Glades in Perth. Um, you must have come to a point where that wasn't a possibility for you to play. Oh, it was. It's sort of like most golf clubs doing the right thing by the government. Sort of they gradually close down things. Eventually, yeah, two of, you know you can play with one other person, and then. Um, yeah, sort of couldn't reach in the hole, couldn't take the flag out. And so got to the stage where I guess a lot of clubs have the older members, uh, more mature age ones, and, you know, for the health's sake, for the greater good, yeah, it sort of shut up for a while. And so you've taken matters into your own hands and come up with one of the more inventive ways of getting around this golfing <laughs> crisis. Oh, it was. It was uh, like it does leave a big hole. I can only play sort of um, – I'm a school teacher, so after work on Friday, you know, play nine holes – have have a beer with my mate from school, Quentin, and um, and then Sunday's a big day. Sunday morning, get out there and play in the comp. And so even for me, it left a big hole, let alone, you know, some of these people that play sort of three, four times a week, you know, it, it is their life, you know. It's home or it's a golf course, yeah. So you've taken matters into your own hands. How, how, what, have you, what did you decide to do here? And tell us all about it. What prompted you to actually get your hands dirty and do it? Oh, well, literally dirty. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to live on some acreage. Um, well, in Perth, Jandicott is the place, and so there's some, still some semi-rural blocks around. And so I've got seven acres, and so enough space to set up a course, like the longest hole I think was 120 metres. And so it's good. You only have to take four clubs around um, and then, yeah, sort of go around. And so as I was going around, you know, thinking about COVID-19, I'm thinking... Yeah, 19, 19, 18-hole golf. Hey, we can make up a golf course because <laughs> there's a lot of farm machinery and lots of farm animals and, yeah, sort of things gradually fell into place and I thought, well, why not try and build, uh, get a bit of joy out there to the golfers that are that are missing golf. So 19-hole golf course you come up with, Brendan? Well, I figured it, it fitted in with COVID-19 better. 
Yeah, yeah they say the 19th hole is the watering hole, but, yeah, that's the 20th on my course, yeah, yeah. around at the front bar, we call it. Well, then, well there you go. Well, I'd love to come and visit it one of these days. It looks fantastic. And, of course, you've named, you've mentioned Quentin, your Friday afternoon um, yeah. educator who you play with on a, after school on a Friday, then on holes. You've, you've graciously named the clubhouse after him. Well, uh, not the clubhouse, but uh, the actual, my visitor, Quentin, the Quenda, who uh, never seen him around before, but um, just since I started going out there having a beer after playing golf, yeah, he, he suddenly appeared. And so it's quite, quite spooky. Yeah. What's a, what's a, pardon my ignorance, but what's a Quenda? Oh, it's a West Australian native bandicoot. And so Quenda, I think, is the Indigenous word for them, yeah. Now, it's funny you should mention that because we'll, you've sent the photos of the holes. I don't know whether every hole's been captured in the, uh, the which should become a coffee table book, by the way, the photographer. Oh, exactly. <laughs> we, we should do this. Yeah, get but, it out to the publishers, mate. Yeah. I wondered whether that was a real bandicoot or not, but that is actually a living, breathing bandicoot that's, uh, that's visited you in the clubhouse, is it? Well, it is. Uh, like following that, I've actually got some video footage. I'll send it over, and it actually came out. It was checking out my toenails the other day. So, it, but I think it must be a pedicurist or something looking for a bit of work. And there's still there's plenty of work on my size twelves, mate. So what's what's par what's par on this course of uh, nineteen holes here? Uh, the, well, they're all it's all par three sort of thing. The um, shortest ones are the curve, which is fifty three meters over the top of the uh, old. Uh, motocross jump uh, which is it, it's a tough shot and um, but and the longest one I think is 119 so that's a 99 onto into the Fremantle doctor to try and get near there <laughs> what what's the course record at the moment uh, the course <laughs> I, I play off 21 um, and so Mike the course record at the moment I think it was a low 70 73 or something like that. That's a pretty good gun. Which I was happy. I was happy with that. Yeah. yeah. I love the names that you've given each hole a name, which I, which I think is fantastic. And by all means, give us um, your favourites, ones that, that sort of have struck a chord with you particularly. But um, we missed the Masters over in the US, of course, last yeah. week um, greatly. And the often the most difficult hole over at Augusta, the most scary hole at Augusta is the 11th, um, yeah. the par four with the water left and all that. We all know the hole. And clearly the 11th on your course is the most terrifying as well. You've called it superannuation tanking. Um, oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's terrifying for all of us, I think. Well, it is. There's a lot, a lot of people down at the club, you know, this is probably missing golf and then the superannuation funds tanking a bit is, is um, yeah, it's a bit frightening. But that, that is the only uh, green spot on the course. So the only green tee on the course, yeah. Okay, right. So Clay's would, would be pretty happy with this, Andy, I reckon. I mean, there's, there is a lot of brown and there's a lot of beauty in brown. There's going to be a lot of beauty around the uh, COVID links here. Oh, oh. yeah. yeah. I, I, I love it. It's, 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 let's be honest, it's not Augusta. I mean, there's not Azaleas and no. yeah, she, she's a bit different to the old Augusta pictures that we get to see at this time of the year. Yeah, you don't want to wear your good foot joys out there, mate. I'm, I'm traipsing <laughs> around in the old black leather uh, Old man walkers at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your favourite hole, Brendan? Uh, actually, favourite hole is, um, I guess, my natural swing is, is a bit of uh, draw. So there's uh, the Corona, Corona Corner, which is, uh, well, I think it's about a 107 sort of over the trees and just landing there. That, that seems to be my pitching wedge distance. And, uh, 
yeah, I I can say that I made a hole in one there one day, but uh, yeah, I can't back it up. No proof, <laughs> so it didn't didn't happen. Stace, which one takes your fancy? I know you've had a pretty good look over the course. It was actually Corona Corner that uh, I think it was more the name. I wasn't looking so much at the uh, the hole itself, but now that excites me more to know there's been a hole in one on it already. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, but my hole in ones are a bit different. Yeah, with, with no greens, obviously, it <laughs> needs to get within a well the grip length of the uh, of the pin, the star. That's pick. the uh, that's the gimme range, is it? That's the gimme range. So yeah, yeah. no, so, very impressive. But that name. Uh, that name definitely caught my attention. Yeah, and it's, and it's by no accident that the scariest hole, it, it, it looks innocuous, but it is Ruby Princess. Like, uh, <laughs> I've parred it once, once. Yeah. It's so a tough one. You think you're in for a good time, we'll take a nice leisurely swing here, like they must have, and uh, bang, it gets you every time. I feel like you're guilty laughing at all this, but I feel like I need it. Um, the first hole, I love the fact that the first hole is called Wuhan, uh, in brackets, where, where it all begins. Uh, I don't know what's on the menu in, in the clubhouse with Quentin McQuinder, but I, no. take, I take it there's no bat soup available in the, uh, in the clubhouse. For a post- uh, 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 Actually, we don't get that many bats around here, but uh, no, she's, uh, yeah. Well, it had to be that. It had to be, yeah, where it all starts. Yeah. Have you had any? Um, have you had any uh, mates and members from um, Melville Glades come and play the course? Oh, with the isolation, mate. No, it's oh, uh, yeah. it's solo, solo, doing the right thing by the government. Yeah. yeah. Do you reckon you'll keep? Do you reckon you'll keep it open when this crisis passes and have a few visitors out there? Well, I don't know. I I miss green. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you, when you come off the course, yeah, you sort of have to uh, put the feet in the pool to make sure you get rid of enough black stuff so that you can go have a shower. Yeah. I think you'll really appreciate your normal golf after this one. Oh, I will. I will. It's, uh, yeah, it's sort of like dancing with your sister, isn't it? Yeah. You're still swinging at the club, but uh, it's nowhere near as good. Uh, Brendan, it's been a bit of whatever it takes for all of us uh, these last couple of weeks and maybe for the next couple to come and who knows how long we're going to be in this kind of state of partial lockdown. So, um, mate, well done. Uh, I don't know what we can do, Hazy, in terms of publishing some of these pictures and giving people a sense of what Brendan's done over there, but um, I'm sure we can do something. It's a, it's a fantastic project within your own um, sort of fence line and uh, it's a great thing that you've done, mate. So thanks for having a chat to us about it today. I really appreciate it, Hazy. I just want to say that we will, um, our, our guru behind the scenes here, Justin Falconer, is going to cobble together some of Brendan's pictures with some of this audio from this. We'll put it out next week and show the people around Australia what can be done by a bit of ingenuity and a bit of uh, willingness to get your hands dirty in the backyard. I should ask you before we let you go, Brendan, from a, another perspective, you are a teacher, you've mentioned that. How, how are you going with the remote learning and, and education off-site? Oh, well, we'd sort of switched over to remote learning. So oh, the, the essential workers, their kids come to school, but like I teach in a kindergarten through to year 12 school and, um, you know, there's probably about 20 of the primary kids still come the last couple of weeks, but the high school home doing the remote learning. Yeah, oh, phys ed teacher, it's a tough gig. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you can do health assignments and things like that, but... and. Yeah, you, you put out instructions on ideas for circuits and things like that that they can do at home and hopefully they'll come back in, in good shape. 
Our kids are particularly keen on the PE at this time of, uh, of their education cycle. Hey, thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, look after no. yourself. Appreciate your time. Okay, nice chatting to you all. Good on Take you. Care. Thanks, well, mate. Over there yes. in WA, who's uh, created his, of course, a 19 holer in honour of the great, uh, well, not the great, the, the dastardly COVID 19. Uh, we're going to break out of the way here on Inside the Rose, back with more after this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. A couple of little bits and pieces before we uh, wind up. Can I just uh, – I don't have many of our listeners, hopefully all of them, uh, au fait with social media these days and maybe the YouTube channel, but there's some great stuff being put out at the moment that I'm finding via Twitter from some of the real hardcore golf follows. And somebody put out the other day a link to a remastered um, film uh, coverage of a match between Nicholas and Sneed that was on the um, Shell's Wide World of Golf or Shell's World of Golf, whatever it was called, from Pebble Beach. It is absolutely magnificent, this thing. The, the, the re-digitising or reworking or whatever you call it, of this piece of film is magnificent. So if you haven't seen it, just Google Smeed Nicholas Golf uh, and it'll take you straight to it. It's from 1963 and it is, I don't know whether you two have seen it, but it is a thing of absolute beauty. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't actually seen it, but I'm Googling it as we speak. But Well, if you get it, if you get it up before we finish the pod, I want a live um, reaction from you as to what is in front of your eyeballs, okay? So if you see it before we've finished, I want you to give me a live rolling critique of what's in front of your eyes. Okay. okay. Have you seen just... I saw little glimpses of it, Andy. I know this is the stuff that Clates um, grew up on, the Shell's, world, Shell, um, Shell's Wonderful World of Golf, it's called. Wonderful World of Golf, yeah. Yeah, and, and these are the things that actually brought those names and the vision into our house houses back in the back in the day. So this was the way until the cameras cranked up for the Australian summer. This was the way we saw uh, golf in this country. So it is worthwhile having a look, and especially when you see Stace, I think might even have it now, Andy. Oh, but I, I've got it. I have got it. That <laughs> this is impressive. Have I've just got the uh, I've got the volume down just because my focus is on inside the ropes right now. <laughs> Tell me about. Tell me about the colours and the richness of the picture. It is. That's what I'm thinking. Like, that is so impressive. Like, this is, what you say, 1963 was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so back in those days, they shot everything on film. I mean, this is getting real nerd burglar stuff here, but, you know, we, it wasn't shot on tape and it wasn't shot digitally. It was actually shot on film, reels of film. And the picture quality, look, the, the, the resolution was so, so much richer. Um, but this is a magnificent job with the the colorization or whatever you call it. It looks bloody amazing. How come you know so much about 1963, uh, Mari, more than uh, Hazy and I? Well, I was 17 at the time, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that's the answer you want, isn't it? <laughs> this is God. That's exactly what I wanted, Mari. This is, I reckon this is. You What's that, Hazy? You should know a lot about 1963 because it's the last time Geelong beat Hawthorne in a meaningful final. Correct. Oh. Correct. Before the magic started for the Catters. Um, this is uh, this is impressive. I think this is uh, that's got my uh, new movie night uh, sorted tonight. I'd say. 
it goes for about an hour. It's worth it's worth finding. It's worth watching. So, uh, yeah. Andy, Andy, I wanted to put on the table something that Stace probably does need to do a bit of homework on. Um, we haven't had her on since the start of the now abandoned pennant season, oh. um, but she did. The, this is the multiple LET winning Victorian Open champion, touring professional, LPGA player of great repute. Uh, <laughs> so took, long ago, all of that. Yes, go on, Hazy. Took it back down to Clubland because uh, professionals can play in, in Victorian pennant. And uh, Stace, not even playing number one, mind you, for the mighty Victoria Golf Club. Uh, has, has started out the season relatively bleakly, I think, is probably the words <laughs> that we could wrap around this, Stace. I wouldn't say 2020 has been my year um, <laughs> in the pennant season. Um, yeah, I don't know how much detail you want on that, Hazy, but I feel like we need to give uh, your fellow Golf Australia employee, Olivia Klein, the rap here. <laughs> she, she, uh, yeah, she gave me a fair hiding at uh, Metro. And um, three and two, so I'd say that's a fair hiding. Um, and she was just too good. What do I say, Hazy? What do, what do you want to know? Do you feel like <laughs> you've got a target on your back when you come to Pennant as a as a as a pro? Um, I don't know. I uh, I didn't. I probably didn't feel the love. I would say. Um, yeah, I would probably say yes to that, Hazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. <laughs> but I, I even know people people within uh, like Clubland and my club as well weren't are still against professionals playing. Uh, so you definitely uh, you definitely think about it. I, I mean, I don't care. I just want to play competition. You know, I, I really don't care. Um, yeah, I, I just get excited to play. And my husband also, um, he's been able to play this year, and he's that excited about Pennant. Like he was devastated for it to get called off. Um, so I'm actually really excited. Oh, I'm excited for 2021 pennant. <laughs> Andy, you should have seen the game face on Olivia Klein when uh, she was. Oh wow! But no, he... it was a very good match, and she played very well. But here, so so Stace is sort of skirt around the edges of this, you know, this kind of resentment for want of a better word. Maybe that is the right word. I don't know. Among some old blazer wearing, you know, types about um, pros coming back and becoming members of clubs and then after a period of time outside of the pro game um, being eligible or making themselves available to play pennant golf. Imagine you're a a, a 21-year-old coming up who's an amateur in a club and you get the opportunity to play against Stacey Peters or Mark Allen or whoever it might be, a pro that's come back as committed to being a club member again is clearly not playing professional golf anymore. You get the opportunity to play number one, two, three, four, whatever the number is against that player. What a great opportunity. What a great opportunity for that young player to see how they can elevate their game against somebody who knows how to compete and knows how to play. I just think it's a no-brainer. And for the life of me, I can't, I, I can't understand um, why there's an, why there's a real genuine objection to this. And and to me, to me, and Stace might be able to talk about this more broadly with, um, you know, the the contraction of some of the, the national events even. But to me, if you miss out on a, a team, that's one of the arguments that you're keeping a young player out or whatever. If you, if that's you what are, I hear the most. Yeah. That's the yeah. line I hear the most. If you are um, 
uh, and that's you have to be really, really good player to play pennants, particularly at, at this level now. But if you if your handicap is three point four and you're the sixth, how many on your team stays five? Yes. So and you're the sixth person in line, and your handicap is three point four. That to me would be a spark to go back, train harder, play harder, do everything you can to get your handicap down, beat a couple of the girls in practice rounds and get into the team and force the current number five out or force Stacey out. She'll go out readily if she's not in the top five. But, but, not but go as... back and improve. Yeah. Go back and improve. You're not going to be, you're not going to win the Evian Championship if your handicap's off 3.4. It's exactly what I say. Like, I just think, like, well, I think it should be, like, I think you should want it, like, those players that are at six, six, seven, eight, whatever we, however many we have, um, you know, I think they should be able to, you know, they should be striving to get in that team. And if I fit in that seven, well, then that's, you know, good, like I'm just a club member now. Yeah. Like, and if I am in one of those, the best seven at the club, well, I think I deserve to play on Sunday. And if that person that's eight, nine and that, well, then they, they need to get better to get uh, in that team. And, and the, further to that, I agree with everything, further to that, if you're the player that you two are talking about, the one that's just on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. if the former pro is committed, turns up to all the training sessions, turns up to all the functions, turns up to all the team events, does all the right things, having that former pro in the team to elevate practice sessions, show people how to how to go about training better, mm-hmm. set an example as to this is what's required when you turn up to train, well, that's not going to. That's not only going to make six, seven, eight, nine a better player. That's going to make the next ten want to be pennant yeah. players at your golf club better players. So, uh, it just uh, look. Uh, yeah, I, I think that part of it is probably the most important, um, Mari. That you know, and that was one thing that Daz and I said as well. That when we're going to do it, like we're going to do it properly. Like I'm not missing. I'm not missing a practice session. I'm yeah. not going to miss a function. I'm not going like. I am absolutely not because I think that's just as important to help the culture around the team and around getting, especially in the girls' side at uh, Victoria Golf Club, you know, there's a lot of like 13, 14, 15-year-olds. And if they're seeing like, say, myself and Steph Bunky and the sort of the top uh, players turning up to all those sort of things, well, then why shouldn't they? You know, you're never never too good to do that sort of stuff. (laughs) Heaven forbid, Andy, we get a bit of notoriety around club pennant as well. That's the Because you could honestly, if you have never been to watch a top flight pennant match in, um, you know, in Sydney or in Adelaide or Melbourne, wherever you are, um, you're missing out on some unbelievably talented golf. Um, but it goes up by the by because no one knows the player names. So, oh. you know, if, if Stacey Peters or Jeff Ogilvy goes and plays in Victoria, um, if they're committed, if they're committed players and, and members of the club, not your Peter Hudson flying on a helicopter style pros, but you, you, you know, it's uh, it, it's all power to them as far as I'm concerned. He, yeah. um, Alex Chaker, there was some there was some professional competitive professional golf played last week on the Outlaw Tour, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. It's still going, uh, a three round event, sixty six deep field, I think it was. Alex Chaker shot sixty four in the last round to win by two. He's won, get this right, he's won uh, $12.8 million uh, in his PJ Tour career. He's won 4.7 million euros on his uh, in, on the European Tour in his you know, veteran career. He picked up five grand 
for winning at Glendale in Arizona. <laughs> you reckon he was pumped with that? He was pretty yeah, pleased with that. He popped, don't you reckon he would have been? Yes. 100%. Yes. Because oh, he's, he's competing? Yep. yep. It must yep. have been a couple of years ago. I reckon he won on one of the opposite field events when one of the world championship things was going on, um, and it was in Puerto Rico or something like that. And he was as pumped as he ever was when he was winning on the big tours. Um, he 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 would go and play. He would go and play pennant. I'm sure Alex Chaker. He loves it. Yeah. Um, anything else before we wrap it up? Yeah, I've got a couple of things. I want to point people to um, Mike Clayton's outstanding story on the top of golf.org.au. Yeah. about um, the role that committees can play in making golf fun. Uh, and he talks about the fairness of holes as opposed to the, the fun of holes. And you can no doubt, you can imagine Clates falling on the side of fun and not fair. So um, it's a ripping story. Uh, I urge all people to go and see it, especially if you're a committee member uh, of a club, your club. Um, go and check it out. Um, speaking of uh, the players that Clates always reminds us of, Andy, and, and, and old footage. I went back this morning because um, we uh, offer our thoughts to the family of Doug Sanders, who's yeah. most famous, I suppose. He died this week, aged 86, um, in Houston, Texas. Uh, most famous for missing a putt at the 1970 Open Championship where he had Jack Nicholas on toast uh, and needed a par up, the, up the, short, the short last hole at St. Andrews. Had a probably just under three feet for a par putt to beat Jack Nicklaus, win the Open, and it's probably the worst putt from a good player you'll ever see. Um, check that out on YouTube at Doug Sanders, Valet, um, to a, apparently a very colourful character who um, won 20 times without winning a major and won you know, as much as five times in a year. He was a bloody good player, Doug Sanders, so um, sad to see him shuffle off. And I did want to mention... Um, and I'm going to touch on this when we reconvene next week. I've been given an email. I think you might have seen it too, Andy, from a, a very passionate uh, man called Joe Hassel, who's done a, a lot of power of work, um, sent um, something that to, to you and I uh, around what he thinks could be the majors in Australia. I think it's um, something that probably deserves a bit more of a discussion next week. And I just want to flag that, A, with him, but B, with everyone, that um, there's some great crazy ideas going around about how Australia could get involved if the, if the tours of the world didn't work. We, we talked about it a lot earlier. Um, could Australia jump in, put its hand up, do all these things, host tournaments, become a bit of a hub if we were still safe? Um, I'm just going to do a bit of a long tease for next week. Right. Well, I, I don't know where he sent that to. I haven't seen it. So maybe he sent it to a work email that I don't have access to at the moment. So maybe if you could pass that on and we all have a chance to read that, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, no, it's just it's a good talking point. And, you know, yeah. uh, you know, we, we're sitting around and we talk about what's happening in the United States and around the world. Uh, we, You know, if we're going to be ambitious, well, why the hell not? Wouldn't we, we, we should be ambitious around Australian golf as well. And I, one last thing, sorry, just popped into my mind. I did want to, we talked about, um, you know, the, the decreasing pools and of money available to pros around the world. And, and there was a really big um, story I think it was in the Times in London this week from um, James Corrigan, who chatted to Keith Pally, the boss of the European Tour, who's flagging with um, all his constituents the, the extreme likelihood of vastly reduced purses when they return. So, um, you know, there is a lot to flow under the bridge here, as we say, but that's that's pretty... Um, that, I reckon that's the first ripple in a huge wave that's going to happen. So we might keep an eye on that one too. Stace, good to see you. 
Likewise, boys, thank you very much for having me on again. Always a joy, Hazy. Uh, you're banned from wearing that shirt ever again when we do Inside the Ropes. Go, uh, you hawkers. Thanks to Juzzy Falconer, who's back in the uh, hub, pulling the whole thing together. Great to have Brett Coletta on the show. Great to hear from Brenda Kilmartin. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, we'll look forward to doing it all again next week when we rejoin you for Inside the Ropes. <laughs>